Hello, everybody. I am Julian. Sit next to my beautiful wife. Carly. And this is We're Just Talking, brought to you by Dimly Wit Productions. Today, we're going to talk about something that um, it, it's kind of multifaceted in terms of topic areas that we can cover under this umbrella. We wanted to go into a little bit about um, our careers and our paths to get here. Um, it's It was definitely not a linear thing. I mean, it, there were a lot of ups and downs. There were a lot of different turns, uh, block blocks in our career path and all this other stuff that we had to face um, coming up. But um, yeah, so we wanted to get into a little bit about that and our paths to that led us to where we are today in our career um, and go into a bunch of other different little things having to do with career type stuff. Um, today is Sunday. Um, we are still quarantined, still prisoners to our own home. <laughs> Although I am seeing a little bit of an uptick in terms of uh, loosening of some of the restrictions. Like I know, like we live by a bunch of the beach towns here at the Jersey Shore where it's, it's I mean, it's our economy here in Jersey is the Jersey Shore. Um, so there's been an effort on the part of the state as well as each town to kind of get the beaches up and running. Um, we have some friends that live over in Belmar and they said that the the line this weekend i mean the weather this weekend has been great so i think that that's kind of feeding into it a little bit people are getting excited about being able to go back onto the beach especially with the weather getting nicer out and our friends said that the lines to get the beach badges i mean this the beach badges is a whole different animal of its own they have a different system now because of the restrictions that are in place but our friends said that the line for the beach beach badges in belmar was like five blocks long yeah, for those of you who don't um, live in New Jersey, so you have to actually pay to get on the beaches here in New <laughs> oh, Jersey, yeah. like yeah. from the for the summer throughout the summer season. So from Memorial Day weekend to Labor Day weekend, you actually have to pay, right? And then so paying means you could pay for like a daily beach badge, which can run between. It depends on which beach you go to, like between five and like what seven dollars, maybe maybe oh, even more. Yeah, expensive on than the that. weekends definitely it goes into the double digits. And um, or you can pay for like a seasonal beach badge, which covers you from Memorial Day weekend all the way until Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Um, now I will say that one of the one things that they were doing here uh, recently has been the fact that if you're active duty military, um, you get on for free. All right, with your family. It also goes depends beach by beach. Um, certain beaches it's active duty only, and you have to prove that you're at inactive, you know, in on active duty. Some beaches are vet. Um, you can be a veteran. It seems that more of the more popular beaches are now opening their rules to allow um, veterans and active duty and retired uh, service members to actually go on the beach for free with their uh, family, which absolutely they should. Uh, but what you can you can also tell is some of these beach towns still have an old school, less progressive mentality and way of thinking and doing business, and therefore um, obtaining a beach badge or sometimes the rules, for example, are just I mean a, a pain in the ass and stupid because nothing's being done to progress how we you know issue beach badges out, for example, to like local residents. Yeah, I think that there were a lot of blurred lines in terms of what. Um military i mean military is a very broad term you have disabled vets you have vets you have retired military of active duty you have you know a, a bunch of different um categories under that military umbrella and i think it was there was blurred lines in each town in terms of i know in our experience like we would go and julian would say you know i'm a veteran he'd show his um his veteran identification card and actually on his driver's license it says that he's a veteran and sometimes that wasn't enough and sometimes it was and then sometimes like the beach rule that's out to the public said one thing and then the person's checking the gate said another thing. So, yeah. I mean, in, in, inconsistencies. Yeah. I, I mean, in light of that, I think that that's just like one upside is that 
the the towns are recognizing that you need to accommodate for some of these families military independence and uh and they've made it a clear cut you know they've said okay this is our rule like this is what it's going to be whereas before it was kind of a guessing game at least for us i know yeah, I mean, it's been on the beach. Certain beaches, you just show your military ID or your veteran ID, and like, okay, yeah, you're fine. Like, they don't, they don't really care. Yeah. Uh, certain beaches are real strict about that. Yeah. And uh, I know there's one beach that we go to near where we live. Uh, I know there's a, there was one point last year where we usually just get on, you know, no issues. But every time we would go, I would notice there would be a different like some it would be somebody different and they would tell me something that like was not the case before. Oh, from beach gate to beach gate too. Right. I mean, a difference between one booth selling season badges in yep. on this in the same town and then you go to the next one and they're like oh yeah it's it, it, this is what i think the rule is. so yeah. i think it really depends what you get no there was i, I remember there's one weekend last last year where you and i went to the beach and i showed my uh my veteran id and they're like oh no active duty only you can't get on i was like yeah. well that's not that wasn't the case like last weekend right because well that's always been our policy it's always been a rule right it's like no it hasn't because i literally got right. on yeah. so then i so then you know and i wasn't being rude you know but I, I just cannot take inconsistencies like if you have one policy like let that be it don't don't change it right so they're like all right well, we're gonna go down to the guy you know or the, or the beach che- the badge checker down here he's i guarantee he's gonna let us sign and he goes no he won't do that because that's not what our policy is okay guess what happened yeah. let us write on yeah. you know so yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that, that's not the point i was yeah. just talking about inconsistencies and- yeah to that to that <laughs> point i just think it was it was imperative now that they've changed the system by which you can get beach badges that they they make all those rules type like clear you know senior citizen prices versus you know, adult prices versus teenage prices, whatever, whatever the case may be. I think they needed to make that clear because you have people waiting in line for two and a half hours. And I can't imagine getting to that front of that line and thinking you're buying one thing and then being told, oh, no, we don't have that or that's not applicable to you. And then changing your plans or changing your mind. Right. Depending on yeah. who you have talking to you. Yeah. You know, but, it's going to be different every time. Yeah. But we have friends that live in um, certain of these certain beach towns around here. And we thought that I, I for one thought that the the state or the or each municipality would come up with some kind of system to get residents their badges without having to wait in that kind of line. I mean, I saw cars from all over, you know, New York, Pennsylvania. And don't get me wrong, I appreciate the the commerce that they bring here. I I appreciate that, but you know, I think it's an easy fix to just say, okay, you know, if you're a resident of X town, you know, and you give us your mailing address and you say you want a badge, we'll send it to your house. I mean, I think that's a good way to check it. And it's also an efficient way to get badges to the residents. Yeah. Especially if you're a local resident, yeah. like local residents, like you should, you should have priority right. in that, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, we just went on a huge beach tangent anyway. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, we feel strongly about the beach and, uh, and the fact that New Jersey charges to get on the beach is bullshit. But anyway, I know a lot of other states do not do that because we've tr- we've gone on vacation other places and they don't they don't charge at all to get on the beach or if they do it's very minimal. Um, I know even in South Jersey it's a lot cheaper to get on the beach than it is where we live. Um, but anyway, yeah. So they're starting to loosen up some of the restrictions here. Um, I've noticed slowly um, some businesses that. I guess do fall under the category of essential business, but had chosen to close down are slowly starting to open up again. Um, for example, one of our favorite coffee places for a while was only selling coffee out of their, um, their headquarters, their, their roastery. Um, and you had to place an order and then you had to go and do the, the contact list, pick up whatever. Now they're slowly opening some of the retail stores. So that's, that's encouraging. And I think that that helps the morale generally, um, with everybody I've talked to at least, um, yeah, no, and, and it's a good, like, you have to do this in phases and in steps, so I think it's good progress uh, moving forward, uh, absolutely, but, um, yeah, I mean, people are getting, um, you know, they're getting tired of being cooped up in, at their house, they're being tired of all these restrictions, and I get it, but at the same time, like, it's not worth 
a second wave of this thing yeah. coming through and then, you know, shutting everything down once everything's starting to gradually reopen and shut everything down again and it's worse. Yeah. You know, because and, and it's the same thing too when people are out and they don't want to wear masks. Like, you're not worrying about, like, when we go out, I'm not wearing a mask for my, the, my protection. Right. I'm wearing a mask for your protection. Right. And the more we all realize that and think like that, like, the less, you know, we have to be patient with each other. Yeah. You know, this, again, and this, this is a time where we need to all be sticking together and, and communicating and helping each other out. I understand it's frustrating. I understand everyone's getting to the point where now it's, now it's summertime and we want summer. Mm-hmm. I get it. But at the same time, we just need to be smart about it and be careful and, you know, just continue to do what we're doing with social distancing and, and wear masks where yeah. you need to wear masks. You know, continue doing that. And I guarantee you, like, we'll be there. We'll get there soon. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the only way to really do it. And I think if we just follow the straight and narrow, I think we'll be there before we know it. Hopefully. I, I see light at the end of the tunnel. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, again, this is these are multiple steps, um, progress, progressive multiple steps moving forward. So the sun hopefully is on the horizon. Yeah, I, I, I think there's also the problem that um, this is such a new disease. I know that uh, there's other strains of this disease um, and you know, it's a new thing. So you got to give, you got to give our medical community the time that they need to figure this out. I mean, a lot of people, I'm hearing stories about people making it through what they thought was the woods and then passing away because, um, you know, there was too much damage to their lungs for them to survive after the fact, like, yes, they had healed of the COVID virus, but, um, and they were cured of that specific virus, but the damage that was done to their organs was like too much for their body to handle, which is so terrifying. And I think that that's something that we need to we need to keep in mind when we're when we're saying, oh, open up, open up. That's easy to say. But like I, I am not in the position to say, OK, this number of human lives would be worth it. You know, I don't think that I don't think that the, the human cost is worth it at this point. But that's just my perspective. I don't want to get too political here. But um, well, but yeah, well, we're seeing we're seeing the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, like, well, like like we were saying, plus, they don't know what the long term effects of this is yet really on the on the human body. So. Um, you know, and, and we probably won't know for the next 30, 40, 50 years what, you know, totally, yeah. what this yeah. could potentially be. But at the same time, you know, um, if you've had it and you got through it, obviously, congratulations. Um, for but those. I just don't think that that's necessarily it. Yeah. Right. No, no I know. I, I completely agree. And obviously, um, out of respect for the ones that unfortunately did not um, are not here with us today, you know, we want to make sure that we're doing everything right. Six, social distancing, six feet, taking this seriously. And that way everything can reopen and this thing could hopefully be gone. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So to that end, um, we've seen a lot of small businesses um, and essential businesses and even non-essential businesses um, kind of have to pivot here and, and make adjustments um, to keep their business alive. And and our earlier discussion about the need to continue with the guidelines is not to say that we're you know undermining the fact that these small businesses are struggling and that all of their life's hard work for their businesses is for not. That's not that's not really what we're getting at. But you see, um, it, it's kind of refreshing to see these these businesses um, that really are the fabric of our, you know, society come up big with like big changes and, you know, um, accommodating for this and having the curbside pickup and keeping everything socially distant and and making those accommodations for for the people that they serve it's like it's like really cool to see i mean you've seen a lot of uh, we've seen a lot of our favorite restaurants doing it we've seen a lot of our favorite you know vendors um doing doing this kind of stuff um you see people doing who have the ability to do so doing it virtually doing what they need to do virtually um and i think that that's a big eye opener for a lot of companies um in terms of you know living in 2020 and i think i think it's been a long time coming in terms of 
of certainly we would never want, you know, this to have to happen for us to make that change. But I think it's been a long time coming. You know, I mean, it's 2020. We should all be able to, you know, um, have everything, you know, virtually available to us to the extent that it's possible with technology these days. Um, I know a lot of people are stuck in the past and, you know, I know many attorneys whose entire office is in boxes and, and, and manila folders still. And I think that there it was a real big wake up call for them to be like, oh, you know, I don't have everything on my on a hard drive for me to access. And, and that's going to make my life harder. So I think, um, you know, the one bright side of this and I'm, you know, it might be the only bright side or one of very few bright sides is the fact that, you know, um, we're being thrust into the age of technology, kind of whether you like it or not. And that's for the older generation. That's a little for the older generations, but well, also like, like new standards and new ways of like working and like yeah. maybe running a business, you know, like to be honest, if, if a company is extremely concerned about their, uh, about being frugal and their overhead, um, you know, like maybe ask yourself a question like is it possible for this company or this firm to do most of their work virtually yeah like how much money would they actually end up saving in the long run right if it's actually possible to do that like and that's that's a real thing like i think that a lot of maybe um companies or firms with maybe like an older school of mentality thought um running management yeah right could, Mm -hmm. could, could look can actually look into and they'll realize how much money they you know they can save on overhead and just general uh, utility costs sure. of not having to fully uh, run open and have a, a an on-site location open 24 7 24 7 yeah and know? there's there's office sharing and space sharing and stuff like that and yeah, i know that absolutely. that's been on the rise for the past couple of years but i think now it's going to become like a really a very real thing for for most companies um yeah so um i think a lot of this episode um is talks a lot about self-growth and a lot of where we've come from and how we've been forced to change to kind of follow our dreams and follow our careers and get them where they want to be. Um, I know I've mentioned before that we're big on, you know, constant growth. We always want to be growing. We always want to be improving. So, um, you know, as we're kind of taking things as they come and rolling with the punches and things like that, we're also actively aware and embracing that kind of change um, because I think that that advances you to the next level, wherever you might be. So it's nice to see that in our surrounding community. Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morph. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. So switching gears just a little bit into the nitty gritty of today's topic, um, we thought we'd go all the way back to like when we were kids and talk about like what we wanted to be when we grow when we grow up. Like when I was, I mean, I've known I wanted to be an attorney since I was in like middle school. So, and I asked, I literally asked Julian this like ten minutes ago um, while I was writing up the outline for this episode, and I I just said like, you know, what did you want to be when you were like, I don't know, in fifth sixth grade, something like that. When you're when you're enough of a human being, like you're of the age where you can have a coherent thought. So, you know, you're not going to ask a five-year-old and be, and he's like, I want to be in the circus. It's like that, you know, I wanted to know like what Julian's first career desire or, or goal or dream was. And he said, yeah, so, I mean, it may sound not necessarily nerdy, but I mean, yeah, I always wanted to be a soldier, even at like a very young age. It was yeah. something that just like always had my attention. And I just thought it was so like 
awesome you know yeah. at the time when i was a kid like especially you know seeing all the movies and everything like that i did also want to be an astronaut at one point yeah i think every little kid probably yeah. more inspired by the movie armageddon because i thought it was really really cool yeah sure but um no then your virtual yeah blast off into space that you used yeah. to do as a kid yeah i used to i used to pretend like i was in that space shuttle like yeah. as, a, as a child and like you would just blasting tune off. out you would just I would just zone out and my mother would just <laughs> look at me and she would just, you know, she just like wouldn't what say you, anything. She just let me go. What do you do? Oh, hey, you know oh, what? Go at it. See ya. You know, that, that's, what's, yeah, yeah. that's what's going to make you happy. Go at it. But, okay. Um, I'll see you when you get back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, obviously the more um, realistic one for me, uh, well, maybe they both are, real, are realistic. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. I'm but, not saying that. I'm just saying like in terms of when you were able to really think about it and be like, okay, what is it that I really want to do? But soldier is one of those things that I think. You probably thought as like a little kid, you're like, I want to be in the army. I want to be an army man. I want to be G.I.J. or something something like that. But then it evolved into something. I want to serve my country and I want to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would say definitely serving my country, obviously, was something that was always very important to me just growing up in general. It was. um, Yeah. That's something that was just, again, important to me. And um, and that that fire like you know some people sometimes people or families think or parents think hey you know that's fine but they'll grow out of it by the time they're you know in high school or whatever like that and I guess I was kind of in and out of it but when it came down to hey you know what like it's senior year of high school now yeah and you know what are you gonna do what do you really want to do yeah you know that fire was still there I was like well you know what at 18 years old honestly what better time is it to do that yeah. At that point, instead of waiting. You yeah. Know? And I think I think that's a, I think that's fair. I think that we're being I mean, even when I was 18, 19 years old, ready to go to college, I think to demand to know what a person that age wants to do for the rest of their life, I think is crazy. Yeah, it, I still it don't is know. Crazy. I still don't know what I want to do for the rest. Of, like, I still don't know. You know, and I think I think it's a good it's a good place headspace to be in to be happy where you are and proud of what what you've accomplished, but also being like, OK, what's next? What else can I do? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, like, I mean, there's always like, what, what else? What next? Like, if you're complacent or you're good with being where you currently are, more power to you. Right. But um, I think kind of like, what, what else is going to drive and motivate you to continue to achieve things and move on to the next and the next and the next level? You know. And it's super uncomfortable. I mean, it's super. You know, you're unsure. You don't know what's going to happen first. What's going to happen next? Um, if things are going to pan out the way you want them to, but in my experience, like when you're just like lean into it, you're like, you know what? I just got to accept that this is what it is and I'm going to go after it and I don't care. And you know, I'm going to do my best and try and be my best. I think that that's the most you can ask for of yourself, but then, you know, you got to embrace that change. You got to embrace that uncomfortableness of moving forward. Agreed. And I think sometimes people struggle at the, at the point where you, you have to make a decision and mm-hmm. like, you're like, oh, I, I don't know what to do. I can't make a decision. Honestly, yeah. just pick one and yeah. go with it and find out what happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, so going back to like the beginning, I, Julie and I talk about this time in our life, like all the time. Um, so we met when I was just about to graduate college. So we went through a lot of the career development and, and the come up, so to speak um together um we were julian got out of the military and was uh going to college and trying to finish his degree um he did some i believe you did some school while you were in the military right yeah while i was in the army active duty i was able to knock out uh it was about a full year of college before right i even got out and actually physically attended college so um and that goes just back to the military uh just offering Mm-hmm. Um, extended amount of benefits, especially educational benefits to active duty soldiers and to veterans, mm-hmm. which um, if any veterans or active duty soldiers are listening right now or active duty military personnel in general, uh, please make sure that you're taking advantage of those educational benefits because they are there for you. You earn them. You deserve them. Use them. I'm telling you, they will benefit. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, we were, we were together for a lot of that time and we were together, um, while I was in law school as well. And I think, I think I got a, my first taste of reality when I was a senior, a senior in college. I get, yeah, I guess you are a senior in college when you start the law school process. Uh, yeah, you were a senior. Yeah, um, you were a senior. Yeah, but I don't remember when I like you have to take the LSAT and then apply for law school. I don't even. I, well, I, mean, I remember that part of my life is such a blur that I don't even. I remember you and I. I was actually with you when you got your acceptance into was it? Uh, it was like the first law school. I don't even remember, but yeah. I freaked out and I was like screaming, and you were so startled. You're like, what's the matter? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, I guess I am going to law school. Yeah, but I think you. Um, a lot of, a lot of times you, you're a little naive in, in terms, and I certainly was until it became time to like actually put in the work to start the whole going to law school process. I was like, oh yeah, I'll go to law school. It'll be great. Looking back, it's like, if you, if you're not sure, like if you, if you're not, if you're kind of like, oh, I'll go to law school and just kind of see what happens. Like that for me, that wasn't, that wasn't something that's just like, oh, I'm just going to do this and see how it goes. It's like, I had to be all in for that. Like it, it's so much work. And like, the application process, the testing, the money that you have to throw into it. Like, I mean, it's crazy. Um, so there was a lot of work to kind of, and I, th- and I'm, I'm a big believer in the fact that a lot of this stuff is, is in place to weed out people who aren't serious. Um, so it was a lot of administrative stuff. It was a lot of test taking. And then we finally, once I finally got into law school, um, I was at Seton hall. Well, I was first at New York law school and then I transferred to Seton hall university, um, school of law in, uh, Newark, New Jersey. And I finished up law school there. But um, but yeah, I mean, I was I felt, you know, my undergrad degree was criminal justice. So I didn't really feel like college was like super challenging. Um, I definitely had some classes and I will say a lot of those classes were like the base requirements for my degree that were the hardest. I mean, my subject area classes were not that difficult at all um, for me. So um, obviously had a blast in college. Um, me and my best friend went to law school at the same time and together for part of it, we were at New York law together. Um, and before I left for Seton hall, but, um, but yeah, we were all along for the ride together and we were both like mutually miserable throughout the whole experience. Um, and you, you have these moments where, uh, you know, when I was in law school, I would, I would have a extremely difficult exam or I'd have an extremely difficult paper to write or something. And, and I would just sit back and I'd be like, wow, I'd be like, what did I get myself into? This is like, this is terrible. Like, this is awful. Yeah. You were not, um, you were I, not happy uh, no, for most of your time while no. in law school. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, I remember this? seeing that. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, crippling student debt, extremely difficult. Don't even know if I'm going to graduate. Like, this is so, yeah, I, I just remember it was, it was a dark time, but like, if anything, during that time, you learn to like persevere and you're just like, well, I'm here. I got to I got to go. I got to do this, you know, um, otherwise all those student loans is for are for no reason, you know. Um, yeah, but for also for you, for lawyers as well, like once you graduate law school, like it's not done. No, it's you not. haven't even done the hardest part yet. Yeah. Yeah. Take the bar exam. Yeah. Yeah. I've never taken it. Obviously, you have. But I saw what you went through studying for that. Yeah. Um, And it's. It's it's tough. It's challenging. It was terrible. Yeah. And also not applicable. I'm also a big believer in all of these standardized tests, including the bar exam, um, bar exam and the LSAT, both SAT, all of them. They're all like, I mean, none of it is applicable to what you're actually doing. I certainly am not using what I learned studying for the bar exam practicing law now. So, I mean, it's all a bunch of BS in my opinion, but I think you learn a lot more from your law school internships and your first jobs and you, you got to kind of be thrown into it to learn you you learn more from experience yeah. than you do kind of like what a book's telling you about something yeah or a textbook yeah so while i was in law school julian 
you were in you were at Rutgers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah while you're in law school, I was in Rutgers. Um, I was at Rutgers doing my undergrad. And um, yeah, I mean, I was um, I was able to knock it out. So I, I transferred about about one year's worth of credits into Rutgers. And then I was able to complete my degree well, two degrees. I double majored. But um, within two and a half years, uh, just because I, I did take full time uh, summer sessions, mm-hmm. which definitely uh, helped kind of speed up the, uh, the graduation process. You know, I, I, I didn't start school at uh, 18. I was in the military at the time. But when I did start school, I was already 24. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that, you know, I, I was, you know, I was ready to go ahead and, and, and basically get in and get out. You know, yeah. I enjoyed the entire process, though. I definitely did. Um, one of my best friends uh, I actually met uh, at Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a groomsman. Uh, in um, our wedding, and um, I definitely had a amazing experience there and learned a lot. But I will say that from where you and I are today, uh, the majority of of our skill set uh, comes from the experience that we were obtained. Mm-hmm. We obtained during this time and yeah. and continued time. Yeah, and so during that time, we I mean I well you too. I was working um, part time as well. I was bartending, waitressing. Um, Julian, I believe that that at that time you were working at the gym, right? Yeah, I was uh, working as a trainer at a gym, um, but then I also was working part time at GNC. Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about GNC. Yeah, <laughs> and um, but then right after, like right before I graduated, um, I actually got a full time job, and I was able to take night classes just to finish up. Oh yeah, and um, wow, shit, I totally forgot that. It yeah. was a solar okay. company, and I was a project coordinator for a solar company hmm. um, during yeah. my last, I would say, last semester of uh, of school. Yeah, yeah. But the point being, we had like, it wasn't like, I, I know I had a lot of classmates who had the luxury of being like, okay, this is the only thing I have to focus on. I just have to focus on getting through law school. I, you know, I got myself a nice little student apartment up by like one block away from the law school, and I can just kind of really focus on this. I don't have to worry about no, I was home like I was commuting, first of all, from central New Jersey up to Newark, which is right outside New York City, um, back and forth every day for law school um, and working at night, working on the weekends, just trying living at home. And you kind of I know I went through a period of like depression where I saw all of my not all of my friends, but some of my friends just finish up college and go into the workforce. And I was like, oh, I still have another three years to do before I can start doing what it is that I want to do. <laughs> like. You know, so it, it takes it certainly takes like a mental toll on you, especially when you see like people in your age group and your friend group and your, you know, community moving forward. And you're just like, Ugh. I feel like you are moving forward in your own right. I mean, certainly making it through a graduate degree is nothing to, you know, shake a stick at. But you're just like, OK, let's get on with it. I want to get to the career. I want to get to the I want to get to the career. But I think there were a lot of valuable lessons in in just the process of going to school full time and working the rest of the time that I had free when I wasn't studying. Um, it kind of gives you like that go getter, hardworking, you know, base to start your career with. And I think, I think you were, I mean, you were working virtually the whole time that you had off from school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just about, yeah. Um, just about. And, and then, you, yeah, you had a little bit more freedom to schedule your classes different, like law school, at least at Seton Hall, there wasn't, I didn't have too much freedom in terms of, 
when my classes would be or they would just be like all over the map and I would have to be there all day pretty much like a full-time job nine to five um but I know undergrad I know at Rutgers I was able to kind of manipulate so that I had off Fridays I didn't have to go into any class before 11 a.m like I had all these freedoms right and it's your choice too you can you can schedule what classes you want to take and at what times yeah so it kind of gives you a little bit of flexibility as well especially if you're trying to navigate uh school and also a job yep you know uh, gives you that freedom yeah yeah so um we pretty much did we finish I'm trying to think you were at NRG when I graduated law school um I so I'm I I think I had started with um, TTI at that time. Oh, that's right. Okay. So um, I, d- I definitely did my fair share of bouncing around, especially um, fresh out of college um, to different companies. Because one, like you need that, you need to gain that experience and need to learn kind of like what um, what the economy and the business industry is like. Especially like again, this is kind of going out to you know you veterans out there. Like you're gonna have to have a good thorough understanding of what's going on within the civilian world and within the civilian market mm-hmm. in order to kind of be able to learn and grow. Um, you know, and, and take the next necessary steps that you need. Whether that's you know you stick with one company and, and you see what you can do, or you, maybe you bounce around to you know multiple different companies depending on what you're trying to do and what's being offered to you. Um, but again, um, the moral, the moral of the story is all this is going to come with time and experience. Mm -hmm. Um, education is, is a necessity. It is great. Um, it's definitely needed, but, uh, experience is definitely what's going to get you, um, the furthest, you know, like to the next level, to the next level is going to be in regardless of what you do, even, you know, again, you can tell me I'm wrong, but even if you're a, uh, you know, a plastic surgeon or whatever like that. I'm sure it's the the experience that you have, which has made you great. Oh yeah. You know, it, yeah. It, it's doing it over and over and over again. Cause I mean, you're not going to go to a doctor that you're like, Oh, they, they just got out and they're, <laughs> yeah, you might have yeah. questions. Yeah. You might be, be like, uh, who are you working under? Are you working another, under another doctor? Yeah. I don't want to be your first rhinoplasty patient. That's for sure. Right. Um, well, also, and, and just real quick, I want you because we're on the topic now. And I do remember when I was hired. Uh, yeah, I worked for Energy Home Solar uh, for a little while. Uh, when I was hired too, and it, you know, it wasn't the fact that they hired me because I was about to graduate college. It was the fact that I had six and a half years active duty military service, plus I had you know um, experience in uh, personal training as well as um, working at GNC. But it was really the fact that. Um, it was the six and a half years I spent in the military, which gave me the experience that I needed to be successful. The leg up, yeah. Yeah, they gave me the leg up. And the interviewer basically straight up told me, the hiring manager straight up told me, yeah, I didn't, we didn't hire you because you're about to graduate from college. We hired you because of your experience. Because, yeah. And I think, I think you have to have, at this point, you have to have a differentiating factor outside of a bachelor's degree. I mean, a bachelor's degree at this point is just the base of what you need for a lot of things. And The base, absolutely. Uh, yeah, for a lot of things. That being said, I think that manual labor and union work and all that other stuff is like is like it right now. I mean, if you can get out there and get into a union, you know, iron workers, whatever it might be like, I mean, that that's that's the ideal job because everything else is so uncertain, especially right now. It's just like, you know, there's something to be said about something that's got a pension and, you know, good health care and all this. Um, And we're going to get into that a little bit later in terms of things that that we thought were must haves for our career and that we've now come to learn at 30 and 31 are actually the must haves for, for your life to live your life. Trust me. There are times where I look back and I'm like, you know what? I should have used my GI bill and I should have went to trade school. Yeah. Trust me. I have those thoughts almost daily. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. um, Yeah. So that's not to say that, um, you know, 
going to technical school or anything else is is any less than but in fact i think if you go to a technical school you're probably all set when you come out from that or an apprenticeship you're probably good whereas if you go to a liberal arts college like i did and get a criminal justice degree it's like okay that's nice but what next you know yeah, so or it's like how can okay great good for yeah. you how, how do you benefit our business right it's like you you don't know anything what else you know? do you do are you a military veteran yes or no you know what i mean like you have to have that thing that sets you apart um so knowing that i was going to go to law school that's part of the reason why i chose um criminal justice because i i thought i wanted to be a prosecutor um uh come to find out i ended up in litigation but um and you see those memes that are like um what what i think i do what my friends think i do what my parents think i do things like that um, yeah what i really do what i really yeah. do yeah um i mean my my career trajectory actually turned out pretty on par i mean when you go to law school you think okay i'm going to be trying cases things like that um i like to be in front of a courtroom so that's something that i i really wanted to be like the, the type of lawyer that you see like on tv like that kind of i mean full disclosure nothing that uh, of what we do is like what's on tv so just put that out there from the jump but um but yeah, I went right into litigation, but a lot of, a lot of people become attorneys and get into the finance industry or, you know, um, become something that's outside of using, uh, you know, their legal, to, their legal degree to, to actually practice law. They go into something that's, you know, maybe an alternate career path. And you see a lot of these things, um, pop up on, you know, Buzzfeed articles, things like that. Um, you know, here are 10 things you can do with a law degree that isn't practicing law or whatever. Um, and I know that Julian's got a pretty broad um, undergrad degree, so that allows him some flexibility in what he can do and how he can market himself. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and a lot of people do have a maybe a generalized, well, not, not a general studies degree, right? But what I'm saying is just like a degree that can help you. Yeah, yeah. Like a business degree, right, for example, um, that can apply to many different um facets or different kind of things you can do within the within the business world which is good because it, it doesn't like hold you back or restrict you mm -hmm. um in any way so like you can do hr you can do you know business analytics you can do sales you could do project management coordination things like that um which is excellent um but at the same time be be careful of it because it almost can be too flexible and it's very easy with these flexible degrees to end up doing something that you never intended or did not want to ever be doing. And therefore, you find yourself not necessarily happy because you were almost too flexible in what you could do. And therefore, you got thrown into something that is kind of uh, you need to you needed to fill a spot. Yeah, I think that goes that goes the other end of the spectrum, too. If you get like a degree that's very, very specific and you're like, OK, this is a, then I better love what I'm doing or, you know, I'm going to have to go back to school to get qualified to do literally anything else. I think that's also. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. Like like you like getting your JD, like you're like, all right, like, you know, I'm doing this. I'm going to be a lawyer. This is, yeah. This is what I want to do. Yeah. Right. Even um, for our engineers out there, you know, certain ones know I want to do, you know, electrical engineering or mechanical engineering. Yeah. Not necessarily that you have to be specific to that one area. But yeah. like, you know, all right, I'm going to be an engineer, though. Yeah. You know, but like, I've learned from I've learned from my brother's an engineer. So I've learned that um, from just talking to him that, you know, you you can get your engineering degree. And, and while for to me, that sounds like, OK, you have to be an engineer. I mean, that yes, that's true. But there are so many different ways you can go with that degree i mean no ag agreed you agreed. can work for big financial institutions you can work for contracting companies you can work for yourself you can work as an engineering I, we use engineering experts in my and in my industry 
um, you know, for, for a lot of our cases. So there's, there's many different ways that you can go with that kind of degree that I, I personally just, those are just a few off the top of my head. I'm sure there's many more than that, but I, what I would encourage, um, anyone that's trying to figure out what it is that they want to do, um, try and look outside the box of what your degree is and what you think you're, de- what you think, um, like what job you think calls for your degree. You know, I think, I think it's important to look beyond that and try and see like, okay, what could I maybe like parlay this into? Like, how could I, how could I make myself an asset to maybe this company that didn't even know they needed me type of thing? Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, every university has career fairs and this and that. I think that's something that's missing is, is the guidance for the non-traditional things that you might want to do with your degree. Um, I'm trying to think because... I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, the guidance, right? And I think I kind of circles back to where, again, if you have like something more general, uh, it, you know, like, well, this is good because you can do almost anything that you want to do with this degree, and that's mm-hmm. great and all. But there almost may be there might be too many options to where you might fall into something that you don't specifically want to do yeah. or ever intended to do. Now, I do know with a lot of degree um, degrees such as like engineering or um, some type of um, you know science degree. Uh, a lot of companies, even if you don't want to be an engineer, um, if you want to maybe do something in business, a lot of companies um, will definitely lean towards hiring like an engineer, for example, just because they like the way that you have an analytical thinking mind and therefore you can process certain things differently, which may bring value to to the organization. Yeah. And I think that having that that wide variety of things that you can do is definitely better than pigeonholing yourself into something that's very into something that's like I don't I don't even know like something that's like very very specific um because because okay you get into a job that you don't necessarily like there's always an opportunity there's got to be an opportunity elsewhere for you to explore for your next move yeah yeah no 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 I can I completely agree um it just comes down to again don't sell yourself short and again, also like, you know, let's not try to be complacent. Like there's many things that all of us can do here, whether you have uh, a business degree, a science degree, uh, whether you have a trade, you know, or a technical degree. Yeah. Um, there's many different avenues we can go. And I think that it's funny that this, you know, pandemic that we're dealing with is really, you're kind of being able to see like what, what positions are like considered to be um, essential. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe certain things that maybe certain um, employees out there want to be an essential worker. Yeah. Right? And that means like there's a whole job market now for essential workers. Right. Um, and it could be it could be literally anything. I know even, um, you know, uh, Cuomo, you know, the uh, governor of New York, um, you know, said, uh, well, you know, like essential companies are hiring now. Yeah. So there are jobs available right now. Not to get back into the pandemic, but I'm saying that there's still many things that we all can do together. Um, that will be beneficial for the economy, for yourself. And I mean, the moral of the story too is at the end of the day, we just want to all be happy. Yeah. And I think that to, like to go to the, towards the end of what we were trying to talk about today, um, kind of like an evolution of mindset in terms of, you know, we all get out of college, what, 22 years old. And we're like, okay, where can I go make money? I want to make the most money that I can. Um, you know, what's going to help me do that? And I think I was de- like, I certainly was in that mindset. Julian was in that mindset when he graduated. Um, and we were for, you know, several years after that, we're like kind of chasing the paper, but then you get to the point where you're comfortable and, you know, you're able to support your lifestyle. And I, of course it's easier said than done because if you're trying to chase a sustainable living, I mean, that's something that you need to survive. So I totally understand that, but you get to the point where, you know, you start weighing the pros and cons of the job differently. Um, you know, I, I always say like, I feel like the most 30 year old 
like I feel like the most 30 as an adjective because um you know I look at my career and and Julian's career and our jobs and we and I'm like okay what's the healthcare situation like what's the you know um how do they treat you know mental health in the workplace uh you know how many vacation days of course vacation days are important all the time but you know you're looking at things like how am I going to be able to raise a family doing this career how am I going to you know, if I get sick, do the, do I have good enough benefits that are going to, you know, support me and my family? What is the, what is the disability insurance set up? What is the, you know, life insurance set up? Things like that. So you look deeper into, and of course it's all part of compensation, but you're also not like, okay, what's my salary? And like, did I hit this number? Am I making six figures? Am I, you know, whatever. So I think that once you get into your career and once you mature, you start to change those must haves in your career start to change. Yeah, no, I completely agree, Carly. Um, and I, what I could say too, so, something that I've noticed about, I don't know, poss- possibly you as well. Um, I know from me, um, definitely coming out of college in my earlier years, out of the military, out of college, you know, trying to make it, move up in the in the workforce and learn. Um, I was definitely money hungry. Um, you know, thing I needed to make as much money as possible. Money, money, money. This money, money, money. That. And to be honest, looking back at it, like I was absolutely like miserable during that time where all I was trying to do was chase the paper. Um, now, like I've, I've realized that now at 31, what I was doing, you know, at 26, 27, 28, and I was unhappy, um, in being a money chaser. And right now what, what matters to me? Yeah. Like we all need to make money, of course, but really, what really matters to me right now is, is our work-life balance and, um, being able to enjoy our lives and do what we want to do. And then of course, you know, being able to start and have a family together, you know, those are what is important, um, over money right now, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's a survival. It's it's a function of your survival. You're like, okay, how am I going to get all my bills paid and, and live this life and, you know, go for happy hour and all this other stuff. So, so as a younger person, you're thinking in, in terms of that, which is, it's not a bad thing. Of course, you want to make sure you pay your bills. You want to make sure that you're living a comfortable lifestyle, but then you get to the point where you're like, okay, honestly, and you know, I think I've reached this point in my career and Julian has definitely reached this point in his career where we're like, okay, I would rather be able to come home and enjoy my life and take, you know, at the sacrifice of not making an extra X dollars, you know, like if, if you're telling me, oh, you can make triple what you're making right now, but you have to be in the office 14 hours a day, every day and weekends, like, no, no not into it. Not even a chance. Yeah. So it's like, of course there's a balance there and, you know, you strike a balance with work versus, you know, what you think is worthy of that work. But you definitely mature to the point where you're, and I know if you had asked me when I was like, like 23, 24, I would have been like, oh yeah, I'll do that. If you're going to give me that much money, like all I saw was dollar signs, like, you know, so, um, you get to the point where you start to mature past that and, uh, and, and come into your own. And I think that, you know, I started off within a small firm, solo practitioner, uh, took me on, um, he saw something in me and I always say this to, and I, we're still good friends to this day. And I always say this to people that, you know, he gave me a chance and my practical experience that I learned from him was invaluable in, in my career trajectory. You know, I moved on to another firm and then now I moved on to a, a practice group that I've been with now for almost four years. And, uh, and, and I couldn't be happier right now, um, with, with my current work environment. Um, but you know, you, you got to give credit to those early stages and you got to, you got, you look back and you say, okay, all of that was worth it, you know? And it took me a while to get to the point where I was like, okay, 
going to law school was worth it. It was definitely a good choice because those first couple years were rough. And I was like, I can't believe I did this to myself. I'm in so much debt. Yeah, you, you kept on saying that. I it was, wasn't, like, you were telling people were like, yeah. who asking about well, it. Like, yeah. you're like, it's not worth it. Like, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, like, I still look, say look that. At, I still oh, say mm. that. But I still say that because I think that when I know someone and they ask me like, oh, do you think you know, this is a good idea for me. And I'm just like, well, what kind of job do you want to do? Like, I mean, it re- it largely depends on what you think you're going to be doing when you're done. Yeah. Again, that goes back to kind of knowing, like kind of focusing in on a few things that you really want to do and not being so, I guess, yeah. you know, um, f- almost too flexible with right. it. Right. You know? And like, and lawyers always say this, you ask any lawyer like, oh, should I go to law school? They'll tell you no. Like every, every lawyer I know says that. Um, but I mean, it's something that's up for debate. Of course, people feel different ways about different things. Um, and then you try and find some joy in your work and try and find some or or what, whether it be in your work or voluntary opportunities or, or whatever it might be to, to, to fill your plate and fulfill, um, fulfill how you're feeling about about your work. Um, I think we find that to supplement our our regular, you know, nine to five that gets the bills paid. Of course. And just to add as well, it just came to my mind. But, you know, um, I don't know, you know why I'm saying this right now, but I did notice of course this pandemic, like a lot of people try to live their lives too throughout the week as well. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you go to work and then maybe at after work, you know, you meet up with friends or you do a happy hour mm-hmm. or you do dinner. Or you, you're still like kind of like you're doing, doing things. it in work. Yeah, right. But I know, especially with this pandemic, like uh, and, and a lot of you may feel like feel the same way. But, you know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm at work. I feel like almost basically all day, Monday through Friday. Yeah. Um, and I can't really disconnect. Um, so finally when Friday night comes or the weekends here, like I feel like finally, like now I'm, I can disconnect, like I'm myself. I can go ahead and enjoy my life at that point. It's like, okay. So out of the seven days of a week, I'm only leaving my life maybe two of those days Yeah. because I can't even fully disconnect when I get home from work at night, you know, something yeah. like that. And, and that goes for a lot of people. So hopefully, again, when we start to slowly reopen this economy and we can kind of get out there and see each other again and, and, and hang out, maybe, uh, again, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, Thursday night, you know, we, you, you're able to kind of disconnect and, and, and relax and, again, get get done things that are important to you and, and, and your family and your life. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so just to wrap up this episode, we have a little bit of a call to action for this one. Um if anybody out there listening to this is a small business owner and has made significant adjustments to their business and the way they run their business um, in light of this pandemic and are, you know, you're making plans for the future and things like that and what might be our new norm, we want to hear from you. So please reach out to us, WJT Podcast on Instagram and WJT Podcast at gmail.com. Um, we look forward to hearing from all of you. Um, any other further comments, Julian? Um, no, no, I think, I think that's, that's it. Please. We want to hear out, hear from everybody and, um, let's make sure we all get through this together. And, uh, thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. Thank you very much. Bye. Perfect. Hosted on dimlywit.com.